John chapter 12, I want to pick up on this um, portion of scripture today, and, um, and it's a, a very powerful scripture, as all scripture is inspired and powerful. Uh, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and it dies, it remains alone. Uh, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am there, my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. You know, we shared some of this last week, and I'd like to conclude this morning uh, talking about this particular passage of Scripture and what it means to us. You know, the Lord speaks of his own death and resurrection, which really is the basis for our salvation. You know, and uh, we're here to, to, uh, together today collectively to uh, worship the Lord who has redeemed us through his shed blood. And uh, every one of us have been uh, washed in the blood of Christ if we know him as Savior and Lord. And uh, this morning, I want to continue to talk about how it applies to we as believers um, when we look at the scripture here. How does this uh, pertain to me? You know, what are my takeaways from what Jesus had to say? You know, um, as you and I consider the, the uh, scriptures here, we all desire uh, for God to advance his purposes in our lives. Every single one of us has a desire for God to gain glory from our lives and the way we live. And, uh, you know, God wants that too. I think it's certainly a mutually agreeable thing. You know, it's agreeable with God that he received glory, right, in your life and mine. That's his desire. God wants to see us advance and grow in kingdom purpose. And Jesus gives us a very, very fundamental principle about how that happens. And, you know, we, we shared last week that the message uh, was talking, uh, was entitled The Fruit of Death. And, you know, for, for um, those who are looking at this from the natural perspective, it doesn't sound like something where you would look for, to find fruit. And, um, and yet, Jesus said that's exactly where it's found. Uh, that's where uh, growth is found. That's where advancement is found. And so if Jesus took time and he mentioned this, he did so with purpose because Jesus never says anything that he doesn't mean to speak. And Jesus never said anything that didn't have relevance to us. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever talked and wondered how much of what you say has any relevance to anything besides me? <laughs> you know, you say something at times and you just think how much of that made sense and how much of that had any at um, application to any real thing. And, you know, Jesus never spoke an idle word. He never said anything that didn't mean something. He never said, you know, he didn't use filler words, you know, to kind of uh, fill out his scheduling, his speaking schedule. Everything that he spoke was life. And in this case, he references the analogy between uh, the grain of wheat that falls to the ground and that kernel uh, becomes dormant as the germ within it begins to uh, take, uh, produce life within the ground. And as a result of that, fruit is born and there's a, a great harvest that comes forth from the, from the death of that, uh, that process of death. And so Jesus, as we see, is really the, the best example of that principle. Jesus is the best example of what that scripture really means to us in, in the fact that Jesus gave his life down. He gave his life and he died for all of us. And as a result, there are people in Asia today, in Africa, right? And, and people in Littlestown and people in every state across this nation and every nation around the world and every continent on the face of the earth, civilized and uncivilized, cultured and uncultured, every ethnicity. Isn't that amazing? Every ethnicity, every people group, whoever 
calls upon his name, right, is joined together in agreement because of what Jesus did. That's amazing to me. Because I don't know, you know, sometimes people uh, do everything they can to franchise or, or to spread the network or the footprint of their businesses. You know, we had good friends who uh, were from uh, San Diego, California, and they moved to uh, Reading, Pennsylvania years ago and uh, had been very successful in what they had done throughout their time as business people, they moved out to Reading, Pennsylvania, and they were, they were trying to expand the franchise that they were involved with. And, it, and over the course of time, they remarkably lost everything. And these were people, he, he was a... Uh, uh, you know, had had served in the upper upper levels of business throughout his years, and and uh, he had been quite successful in everything. But they came to Reading, Pennsylvania, and it would be marked as the place of his worst, uh, some of the worst financial decisions they had ever made. You know, I'm not sure if they were the worst decisions they ever made, because even in the midst of what happened, something took place. You know, they went in all of these different places that they tried to establish uh, this franchise, faltered, and they failed. And it began to absorb more and more of their personal wealth and income to try to keep afloat all of these things. And they were fully committed to to the expansion of this business. and, And they ended up pretty much losing just about everything. And, uh... Yet, you know, uh, Harold uh, is, uh, the, uh, he's one of my best friends on the planet, and uh, well, on any planet, but uh, those Martians, they're, they're kind of cold sometimes, but uh, Harold uh, was a man that, um, he was a man of faith, you know, he didn't do a lot of this. You know, it's easy to do a lot of this, right? You ever catch yourself doing a lot of this? Anybody except me? <laughs> It's easy to talk a big game, but, you know, I watch Harold close up front. I had a front row seat into their lives. I mean, I didn't stay at their house overnight or anything, but I got to see how they navigated this thing. And, you know, they, uh, there was just this resolve. They weren't casting out demons and devils, and they weren't uh, parading around the city of, Get- uh, of uh, Reading, uh, you know, claiming victory. I'm not saying that that isn't necessary at times. I'm just saying in their case, there was just this, this strange peace. And I, I can honestly tell you, and I don't know too many, but I can tell you I've never seen anybody, uh, at least I, I wouldn't have pictured it this way, I've never seen anybody lose everything and do it so gracefully. I mean, they weren't blaming anybody. They weren't angry. They weren't hostile. It was just so weird, right, Rob? Just some of the craziest stuff I'd ever seen in my lives. I thought, well, if I, if I were losing every penny that I had ever saved or accumulated or everything, uh, I would be a little concerned. But, you know, he, he knew God had a plan, and he kept saying that. You know, we had a prayer meeting, and I remember it for two things. You know, uh, we had prayer, and uh, we didn't make a big show of it, right? We went out, we prayed. We had a Saturday morning prayer time, and we prayed. That's what we did. How many know God can still work that way? You just had people got on their faces before the Lord, and they sought God and, and prayed. And, you know, I remember two things on one particular uh, um, prayer meeting. We had one guy come into the church, and he always brought something interesting with him. And um, he comes walking in, and he began to prophesy and to pray over the World Series. You know, the Cardinals were playing the Royals that year. And uh, he was uh, claiming victory for the Cardinals. You say, that's not true. Oh, it is true. Believe me, it's true. I was there. And you know the thing, I remember that, but what I remember is this brother, Harold, off to the side in quiet peace, just worshiping the Lord, just pouring. You know, you see sometimes people that their passion is, is more evident than their tears. Or their volume. 
Harold is one of the most soft-spoken people I've ever met in my life, and yet I'd go anywhere with him. A man of God. In fact, as, as Harold began to, as he just silently continued praying, and I did have to ask the gentleman to stop, uh, you know, with the prophesying over the World Series. Sometimes those things happen. And I'd rather have to deal with wildfire on occasion than no fire at all, right? Because you can disciple wildfire. It's pretty hard when there isn't any fire. And you know, we, Harold shortly thereafter, I mean, he pretty much said, you know, um, we're just praying about what God has. He knew God had something. He knew that none of this had taken God by surprise. And he wasn't, you know, if he was, I mean, you'd have to know Harold. And one day I hope he comes here because he, he is just like ice water in his veins. Doesn't get riled up, doesn't get... In, in fact, sometimes you have to do this. <laughs> but the day we, we left, and we were in Shillington at the time, and we felt that God had finished with us as to what we had been called to do there. And, uh, and I told Harold, I said, Harold, you know, I'm going to miss you probably more than anybody here. Uh, because he was a prayer partner, he was someone who beat the streets with me when there weren't, uh, there wasn't a committee or a lot of people to go. He said, "Pastor, whatever you want me to do, I'm here." You know, sometimes you get people that say that, and then when you call, they don't answer. <laughs> Harold always answered. It was always the same, "Hello," <laughs> but I knew he was there. And Harold could, he, he uh, touched God many times. So here's what happened. Harold, they lost everything. And after we moved, shortly thereafter, he had prayed and, and, and he put out uh, you know, his prayer before the Lord and sought God. And God opened the door for, for he and his wife to, to, to take a job at the time. It, 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 well, it's in Indiana. It's in Indiana. World Missionary Press is the place. And uh, the Lord had opened a door for him to go there, and he and his wife. And uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a nonprofit ministry. You know, some say they're nonprofit. This is really as nonprofit as you can really get, because most of everything that comes in goes right back into the ministry. You know, there are always those costs and things that 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 are part of anything. You know, but most of that money's went directly back. And what it is is they. They provide uh, scripture booklets for people around the world and uh, for missionaries of every flavor of Christian missionary. They provide free literature to the churches and pastors and and missionaries and, and all over the world, around everywhere you can think of. They've got these scripture and they're like little cartoon booklets, but it's scripture. And uh, so... I talked to him, and I, I said, so what, what, what are your responsibilities going to be? And he said, well, they want me to, to do their computer systems for them out there. And uh, I said, well, that sounds like a great opportunity. I said, so is it something you can sustain yourself off of? He said, well, um, you know, God has this. They, they, and this was probably 20 years ago, and he was making $7 an hour, and his wife was making $7 an hour, and they wanted them full-time. That's always works well, right? We want you full-time, and we're going to pay you $7 an hour. And so they, they went, and they said the one benefit or perk was that they had company housing that they would allow them to live in at a discounted price, not free. They paid a good portion of what it was that they they had to pay to stay there because there wasn't and so he said we're going to trust God and see where he takes this and and I'm telling you it's a remarkable thing because Harold his name is Harold Mack you can look up World Missionary Press the president today of World Missionary Press is Harold Mack and he travels all over the world he represents that ministry all over the world. He, is in, he has been in more countries than I could conceivably name and been a part of that and worked with pastors from all different denominations and groups as they poured in or tried to establish churches around the world. And you know what he tells me? He says all the time, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. 
He says, the best thing that ever happened in my life was I lost everything. Because he said it was at that point I realized that God had something for me bigger than what I was aiming for. So you say, what's that got to do with all this? Well, I think it should be fairly clear, right? You know, sometimes something has to die for what God has purposed to do and to release into our lives and through our lives. And I don't see any better example of that than I saw in my friend's life. And they've been there now for 20-some years and uh, 20 plus years, and he he uh, the the he he served throughout wherever was needed. His wife works in in the print shop, and that just as humble and as meek a person as you're ever going to come across. I'm not a judge of what real uh, humility is. God sees that, but from all from all evidences, there was a lot that I could see that was uh, was not nearly as much about Harold Mack as it was about Jesus Christ. You know, so when I think about Harold, he, his life really uh, uh, is, is consistent with what Paul said when he said, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. When, when I look at Harold Mack, that's what I see. And, and, you know, really, isn't that the way this thing's supposed to play out? That as Christians, people will see what it looks like rather than us telling them about it all the time? You know, telling people they need to have what we have. They need to know what we know. You know, he, he's, his life, Harold, and he's just a man. I'm sure he has his moments where he gets riled up. Maybe. But i got to tell you one thing. I got to see this firsthand. Harold's not a Sunday you know, put on the Ritz kind of guy. You know what I mean? He's in church. You probably, he'd be the most unassuming person in this church today. You wouldn't even, you'd think, well, that guy can't be uh, Pentecostal or Spirit-filled. I'm going to tell you, that guy, when he prays, I'm getting in line. Because when that man would pray, things took place and they happened. Do you understand that? It says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And our righteousness is wrapped up in Christ, but in order for that righteousness to be ours, we have to position ourselves in Christ. As I look at this today, and and I look at what Jesus taught then, who knows what God purposes to do in your life and my life, and I say this beginning with myself, if if we are willing to lay down our ambitions and our plans And say, God, if this doesn't represent your purpose for my life, I want you to to undo my plans. How many of you, rather than asking God to fortify your ideas, would be willing to say, God, if this is not your will, I want you to undo it? That's a real daring prayer, isn't it? Because a lot of times it's easy to start something and then say, God, I want you to bless this. But what if we truly said, God, if this isn't really your will and your plan for my life, I want you to undo it for me. I invite you to undo it. You know, because in in Harold's life, and I guess one of you say, well, he couldn't have been that spiritual. He missed the mark. I'm not sure about that. Because if, if, if he had missed the mark, I'm not sure that all that took place would have come about. You know, you understand? Because, you know, we always pray that God will bless us. But you know, here's the bottom line. In Christ, I am positioned in blessing. But, and here's the but, if you're praying for specific blessings in your life, you have to be blessable. If we're living in willful disobedience or ignorance... You know, it's like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not assigning, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not here to make a statement about smoking, uh, you know, I'm not here, so don't, but there was a fellow that came up in the one church and, 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 you know, he, he had breathing issues, you know, and he said, but he had his smokes in his, in his shirt pocket and, you know, before I prayed with him, I said, are you, are you willing to get rid of those? The only thing I would pray with him was that those cigarettes would grow sour to his taste. 
so that he could realize that they were standing in the way of what God really wanted to release in his life. You know, as we think about the grain of wheat that falls to the ground, uh, we're told that if it, do, if, it do, if it only falls to the, if it fails to separate, and that kernel fails to become dormant, and the germ that's the smallest part of that kernel doesn't, isn't placed into the ground, it will abide by itself. You can be the very best at what we do. We can be the very best at what we do. But if we're not dying to self, we're going to be doing it alone. That's the difference, you see. There are some who can, put, who, who can do things very well, but it produces very little fruit. It's because we're not giving ourselves away. We're not surrendering over to the Lord what God wants from us, and we're not willing to pour out into the other. If, you want to, if we want to be used by God, there has to be, God needs to know that we're going to invest it well. You know, it's a mystery how we pray over things at times and expect for God to bring this tremendous increase where there's too much of ourselves still living for that to happen or there's too little of an investment being made for it to happen. You know, as you, you, you and I look at this word today and we think about what it was that Jesus really wants all of us to know is that we want to, if we want to live a self-preserving life, if we're, we're, if we're, we're afraid of losing something that really, uh, who was it, Eliot said, we, you, know, we, you know, we can't hope to keep, right? We're trying to hold on to these things and we're not yielding of them. You know, there, there's going to be a very limited return on any of that. Because as we, and I'm not here to lecture you about anything, but at the, at the same time, if, if you're teachable, you'll receive it, right? If you're not, you bristle at the idea of anybody telling you anything. And usually that indicates that maybe we need to learn more than we think. Are you here with me this morning? <laughs> I'm glad you're here. We love having you here. How many are, you're, you can still smile? Wow, you look really good. Let's see. Joe's smiling back there. Joe and Lynn. You're smiling because Lynn's sitting beside you, aren't you? And uh, obviously the kernel, as it falls to the ground, it will cease to be, but the germ life inside of it is released into the ground where it will sprout and begin to take root. You know, death uh, is, is one of those tough things. You know, the Bible says uh, to us all that, um, that we're to present ourselves a living sacrifice unto the Lord. One of the most challenging statements in Scripture because the, the living sacrifice, you know, we're alive in Christ, but sometimes the, the, the living, breathing part of us resists being that sacrifice that the Lord can use the way he desires. Have you ever resisted God before? That's a silent group. That means you're very confident, aren't you? <laughs> oh, not me, Lord. <laughs> you know, I'm just messing with. No, I'm not. Who am I kidding? Uh, yes, I am. No, you're not. Uh, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, the soil is where the potential increase comes from. You know, and all of that requires a separation. Not only, you know, God, take me out of this set of circumstances and I, I'm going to be everything you want me to be if you'll just take me out of this place. And i got to tell you, there have been times and places where I've prayed that prayer. God, get me out of here. How many of you have ever prayed that kind of prayer in your life? found yourself in situations and circumstances. And you know, God has this way of communicating with utter clarion authority through silence. God, why? Why, Lord, where, where, where's the door? 
I don't want to leave if, until I know the door's there, or here, or there, or whatever I'm in. And God said, there's no door, and this is in silence, right? How many of you have ever heard God clearly in his silence? Because he allows us to hear what we already have been told, only we, we hear it a little clearer because it's like perfect silence. When there's, a door, when there's a door there, then you can walk through it. Until that time, serve me. That means whatever your ambition is, sometimes uh, we want God to create a door for us, and we pray, God, just put a door in front of me, and God say, God says nothing. Because it's not time for there to be a door there. Come on, church. If God wants us to do that, he's going to put the door in front of us, and then we need to pray that God will give us the wisdom and the courage to walk through that door. But until he does that, he's saying, no, you're going to serve. And God, you know me, you know what I want, you know what I need. And God always says, yes, I know what you need. How many of you believe God knows what you need? You know, um, so anyhow, the potential of each grain really is found in the portion or the part that begins to take to begin to sprout in the ground, and God's purpose is to to release that through you and me. All potential life requires death, and there's no de- life apart from death. And at least in in the spiritual context, and certainly in some uh, aspects of the physical uh, part part of life, uh, death is required. There are certain things that have to to die or you know we have and we've shared this last time marigold plants you know they're always I like marigold you know you, uh, you they're, they're nice plants and they're pretty hardy and and when they die you can recycle them right if you want to I mean there's certainly others that do their seeds provide for that but marigolds are you just take the dead flower and you put them in a baggie for the winter and then they begin to you know do whatever it is they do and then you scatter them and uh, they grow how many have ever found that to happen I mean, we're not, we're not green thumbs, but we've even grown marigolds. I mean, you know, honestly, we, we're the, the black thumb of death. You give us a plant, you can be assured. Well, I'm not speaking for me. Um, you know, the death of some things make life possible. What is it in your life that needs to, to be put to the cross? What part of our lives needs to be surrendered? What fantasies are we hanging on to, carrying them forth, that God says, those things need to die because they're just standing in the way of what I really want to do in your life? You know, sometimes pride is one of those things that needs to suffer a mortal blow, right? That pride and resistance that says, God, I know what I need and I know how to, what I want and I'm just asking you to, to kind of just favorably step out of the way and open the door to my desire. To die is gain. You know, what, there's two things. What are we putting off and what are we putting on? You know, what we're doing is we're, we're called to put off the things that represent the formal, former way of life. That's what we're told in the Scriptures. In Ephesians 4.22 it says, Where you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Do you hear that word there? He says that you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted. You know, the old flesh, the old nature just becomes more corrupted. That's what the scripture says. It's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It wants what it wants. How many know the flesh has an appetite and none of it's for God? It's always for self-promotion and self-glory and look at me and hear me and this is about me. And, 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 and if I had a favorite person, I would say there'd be three. Me, myself, and I. That part, that old flesh nature that loves a lot of things and none of it has anything to do with God. He says, put that off. And he says, and be made new in the attitude of your minds 
and to put on what? The new self. The new self. Not a better version of the old self. We're talking about the redeemed new person whom God has saved us to be. Come on now. This isn't just simply about rearranging the furniture or doing some type of superficial cosmetic thing. You know, growing in Christ has nothing to do with cosmetics. It all has to do with about what, what we put off and what we put on. What we put off, what we put on. And if we can't remember anything that we put off, then maybe we need to put off, putting off. Maybe we need to stop putting off what we're putting off. And ask God to show us. How many of here truly in this room believe that you have you and I have areas in our lives that we need to grow. Honestly. Now don't say, oh yes, yes, I need to grow. Just don't ever try to correct me. Don't ever try to, you know, that's the flesh calling out, resisting it, right? None of us like that. None of us in our flesh like certain tax and ways. But, you know, if, 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 we, if we acknowledge that we have areas that we need to grow, how many of us know what those areas are? How many of us know what areas we need to grow in? I mean, honestly, you know, think about that for a moment. How many of us in this room say, oh, I need to grow, but what areas do we need to grow in? Well, I can't think of any right now. (laughs) Well, you spend some time with the Holy Spirit, he'll show you. Spend some time in the Word. All of us need to grow. This man right here. You know, I'm saying this not because I'm standing on some lofty pinnacle preaching down to, the, to you. I'm speaking because it's exactly true because there's so much in my life that's general and hypothetical. And it needs to be personal and practical. You know, what in my life is God saying to you? That has to, you know what? You need to put that to death. And, you know, I pray to God that it doesn't come to a point where someone has to come and point that out. But, you know, I pray that we hear the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I'm saying that today because God wants, this isn't isn't punitive. This is pruning for all of us. How many know, this isn't punitive. How many know there's a difference between pruning and punitive? Punitive means I'm going to punish you. Pruning means what? It means I'm going to crop the dead stuff off so that you can live. What do you mean? You, if, if I allow this to really play out in my life, I don't know where it's going to take me. We, we, and this isn't about us, but it, 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 I can't t- tell your story because I only know mine and half of that I don't remember. But I'd say to you today, when, 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 when we left Lancaster, served there five years as youth pastors under a man I esteem greatly, and he's gone to be with Jesus long, uh, for a while. But uh, when the time came for us to leave, my prayer was, God, and I was just naive enough at that point in my life to say, God, whatever you want, I'll do it. You know what I mean? You're young, and you look back early on, and you say, man, I would have gone... You know, I would have done. Anybody remember those days? You say, well, if you have to remember them, where are you at now? I understand that, but if we can't remember them, maybe, maybe we need to begin to have those days. We, we, we prayed and we said, God, uh, I, I don't care. You know, right? You were there, right, Rob? You and me prayed together. Wherever it is you want us to go. Doesn't matter what it is, where it is. And, you know, I'd like to tell you that I'm that agreeable to everything that God sets in front of us. Because there's been times where I've missed God, not because he didn't speak, but because I didn't listen. There was too much of me going on in here. Two instances I'll recall. What happened was when when we left there in Lancaster, uh, you know, I prayed. and, and, And you know what opened a church of 16 people? And nothing, uh, 15 of them were seniors, seniors, not seniors in high school, senior citizens. The church, the building was dilapidated, the nursery was the size of a closet. 
You know, I really wanted to know. We had small children. Were we still having more? We just had Ashley and then Jonathan came. And then, uh, then we, we were still having kids. And we think, God, there's no other kids here. The nursery's a closet, so they're not planning for any kids to be here. Not only did they have a closet space, I mean, you don't know, this was the size of a closet. And this closet wasn't a big walk-in closet either. Well, you could put one foot in and then one foot out. But that closet had those really nice cages. How many remember the cages that we put the little animals in on Sundays? You know what I'm saying? The little cages. You swirl them out, you put them in there, close the door, and they snarl out through the bars at you. Uh, you know, they had cages. They had one set of cages in a closet. And you know, here's the thing. Uh, God said, this is where I want you. You know, and honestly, you know, you've you got to know this because even in ministry, there's a lot of, lot of stuff that happens and goes on. You know, people, there's this automatic thought process that because you, you were established somewhere and it was, a, it, was a, it was more of an established place that your next step is this. That's not really, to me, that, that really has, that, that's, that completely shuts the door on God. Because what if God says, I don't want you to go? What if he says, I want you to go? And you know, God's big enough, right? Because we only see it down here because you know what? We want to put someone somewhere where a successful person will be successful. We don't want to put some... And understand, I don't know if this is a bad word, some schmuck in a, in a big, in this situation, or put somebody of renown there. Because good Lord above, that's where the towels in the basin are found, and they don't do that anymore. You hear me? And so we went, uh, at that point, um, anyhow, the pastor whom I love with all my heart, I did, I did, you know, he could be a hard guy, I mean, and I feared him as much as I loved him. But I loved him a lot. But the thing was, he said to me, um, Rick, I would have wished better for you. And I appreciated his sentiment and his heart. And with all the respect that I can possibly reflect upon that is, is that I'm okay with it. Maybe because I'm just dumb and don't know something, but I'm okay with it. And we had peace. And not one time had we ever left that during our stay in that church did I ever want to go back to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And I love those people. That had always been in my heart was to one day go back to Lancaster and serve as a pastor there. I always wanted to do that. That was my desire. And you know, we... We had gone to, I don't know if it was their desire, but it was mine. And as we, we went on, and, 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 and I thought, I have peace. I have peace. Because I realized at that point that I had not accumulated enough wealth to lose it anyhow. And I, I didn't have any reputation that I had to, to, you know, everybody say, hey, do you understand? He, he failed over here. At this. We went into this here church. And uh, as we left, that was his parting words. He said, Rick, I really would have wished better for you. Then Tim Satrian, who served as the decap or the, uh, uh, the youth, uh, you know, the youth, uh, you know, what do they call them now? Decap something. Over all the youth in Pennsylvania, he called me and he said, hey, Rick, I hear you're going to Shillington. And I said, yeah. And he said, I'm glad it's you and not me. And again, I just thought, honestly, I wasn't real bright, but I thought, well, I, I, I would feel that way too if God didn't call you to go there. But he called me to go there. He called us to go there. I've got the best wife in all the world because she never at any point or juncture said to me, I'm not going. If you go, you're going alone. She'd always say, I have to go. Someone's got to keep an eye on you.
And then there was a time when in my pastoring, I, I, and I'm not going to name it, but I left the church before I should have. I like to tell you that over the course of years that I fully served out God's commission for me, but back years ago there was a place that I had gone And it wasn't because of the church. It wasn't because of the people. They were precious people. And I'm not being romanticizing who they were now that I'm gone. I'm just saying they were great people. They were simple people, unpretentious people. They were loving. They weren't perfect, but they were just uh, unpretentious, sweet people. But there, there were some issues with the schooling and the education of my kids that I was very, we, were, we were very concerned about. And I had prayed, God, I, I don't know if I can sacrifice my kids on this altar here. And, uh, you know, just a little clue. My daughter, Jessica, first day of school, the school in, in the county, she, some, somebody came over, picked her up, and shoved her in her locker. You know, we sat down and met with the guidance counselor and tried to talk it through. God, what, what, you know, we said to him, what, what, what positive things can you as the guidance counselor direct us to that will help us to direct our kids to? And he said, honestly, nothing. That's what you really don't want to hear is the guidance counselor saying, and they had had numerous sexual uh, assaults or, or charges of sexual assaults and things, and you say, shouldn't you have known that? Yeah, I'm dumb. I should have known beforehand. But, you know, the thing was, I just prayed, and, you know, and God said to me two words, and you say God speaks to him. Yeah, he does, and I'm, I'm not ashamed of that. He said, trust me. You know how I trusted him? I said, Lord... I trust that you're going to lead me to the place you want me to be next. How about you? You ever make those kind of moves? And you look back and say, you know, I tried to console myself, wrapping myself up in whatever source of comfort I could know. God, I know you don't want my kids to be destroyed. I know you don't want them to be a casualty of ministry. And, you know, there's a lot of different views, and I respect everyone that's every other that isn't mine. And I respect it too, but i got to do what i got to do. And, and the thing was, I didn't have to do that, but I was very concerned at that point. And I often wonder, I, I, I believed at that point, and I, repent, I really was sorrowful, and I prayed, God, I'm so, so very sorry for this. Um, you know, uh, I, I don't ever want to experience that again. Don't ever want to experience that again. And, you know, um, I want to say that to you today, and I'm sharing these personal stories because, you know, I think there is some element of transparency that is needed, Right? We're not perfect. Come on, church. We're not perfect. We're his workmanship. He's creating us and rain, but we still got some rough spots, don't we? And I look at this, and I'm going to ask Tammy to come as I'm looking at this. I'm going to ask you this morning. What part of you is God saying, I need that to be put to death so that I can do something supernatural through you. I can do something that's going to live beyond your days here on this planet. It's going to go beyond your household, you know. I know we say, as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. But, you know, God said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's great that, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But God's called us to our communities and to our neighbors. You know, this morning as we... Just share something that I received, and you, you, you have to take Scripture and judge where it comes from. But, you know, heaven will be greater, and it will not be a mere relocation destination for an ongoing conflict between the spirit and the shadow of my fallen nature. 
as I have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. But when heaven will be a holy dwelling with every regard to my existence in Christ, there will be no flesh nature there present to strive against. You know, the Apostle Paul had to remind the Corinthian church that they were to put off their former life. You know, um, this morning I want to share that word with you. It's in 1 Corinthians, uh, you know, he he lists all these different things, and you can read the context of it. I mean, uh, he says, don't let anyone, don't, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this isn't all just about what we're doing wrong. It's just about laying portions and parts of that unconquered, unsurrendered areas of our lives at the foot of Christ. So that something will live beyond our days. Something will live beyond our walls. Something will be raised up that will make the witness of Christ a resonant memory and reflection of the life we've lived in him. He says, don't fool yourselves. And then he lists these different things. And in verse 11, he says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the Spirit of our God. You know, if you bow your head with me for a moment here and... um, You know, persecution has uh, often caused... Growth, hardship, and adversity has often caused, has been part of what God has used to advance growth. Now, not, not all persecution brings uh, numerical growth, not all the time. But growth will always bring persecution. Because hell, with all of its anger, will contest anything that God advances in your life. Jesus said in Mark 8.35, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will find it. The drive for self-preservation limits at times how far we will go to minister Christ to others. I'm going to share some scriptures with you, and as we pray here, would you just keep it in your prayerful thought here for a moment. Philippians chapter 2, second half of verse 20. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in this flesh, in the flesh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet I, what shall I choose? I cannot tell you. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is for better. He said Christ would be magnified either in his life or his death. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. 
Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. John 15.13, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. 1 John 3.16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Romans 6.4, therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6 What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many as of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We're told that Jesus himself took on the likeness of of man and he became a servant. Philippians 2 let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be with God but made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being humbled in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things uh, and those on earth and those underneath the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord God Almighty, we thank you this day for all of those who, Lord, in our nation have allowed their blood to be spilled for our well-being. Lord, for every, every uh, armed service member, Lord, every law enforcement agent, every individual who has rendered first aid and assistance and care and has placed themselves out there not because of great compensation but because of a a sense that god was god or society whoever it might be hopefully for both but uh, as society provided a noble opportunity to serve others and father may we see that we will give nothing up that its absence will hold us back from realizing your great pleasure. Lord, we surrender our hearts beginning first because, Lord, if you have our money and you have our, uh, certain pockets of our time, and, and yet, Lord God, you, the one thing that you desire more than any, Lord, would be our hearts, and without that, Lord, the rest really falls short. I'm going to ask you if you'd stand with me this morning. There was a widow who gave two coins, two mites. And Jesus stood to the side observing what people did when they came to the place to present their offerings. And he saw those who placed large sums into the offering. But he chose to mention one who gave very little, but proportionately she gave all. Lord, surrender for me is not an easy thing, Lord. If it were easy, Lord God, you wouldn't have called for me to put to death those things and to put off those things, Lord God, that hinder the release of your Holy Spirit in and through my life. Lord, we pray for grace and strength. We pray for the the Word of God 
to be, Lord God, the foundation upon which we take this stand to set aside the, the things, Lord God, that, that, Lord, just will restrict the flow of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today, if you've backslidden, you've turned turned away from the Lord, you know, today's not, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't switched gears to blame you, uh, to guilt you into anything. I'm just saying God loves you. He's calling out to you, saying, come on now. You'll never give up anything that you'll regret. And you'll never hold on to anything that later you'll regret that will Lord, rob you nearly of as much as holding on to it will. Lord, I pray that you will give us what we need to let go of what we can't really truly expect to hold on to. Lord, of the things that, Lord, will will, will not only uh, affect us personally, Lord God, but will, will restrict the flow of God through our lives into the lives of others around us. Lord, we don't want that. We want there to be life released into the body of people around us, Lord. And I pray, Father, whatever has to happen, Lord, give us the resolve to say yes, Lord. Lord, we accept forgiveness of our sin, Lord, as... We stand here. If we're away from you today, we ask, Lord God, that, Lord, we, we come to you, Father, and we, we know that you meet us, Lord, before we take a step toward you. You're there, Lord, to embrace us. And we, Lord, move into the embrace of a God who loves us so deeply and so profoundly that he gave his only begotten Son that as we would believe on him, we should not perish but have everlasting life. And Lord, we receive today forgiveness and pardon of sin. We receive the, the, the Holy Spirit to take up residence in our hearts to make us the new person that you've always delighted to bring forth in us. We receive grace. We receive forgiveness. Lord, the grace is so great that we are not crushed by the truth Sin is deadly and sin is staining, and yet the grace of God is cleansing and freeing. And we accept Christ as Savior and Lord as we lay down that stuff. Lord, I pray for those who, Lord, are going to be raised up to greater level, layers of service, Lord God, not necessarily greater by man's estimation, because yeah, Lord, you've made it very clear that man looks at the outward, but you look at the inward. And Lord, I pray for those who are, are, are Lord, just, Lord, desire to be used of you. And Lord God, and yet they're not going to allow their disposition to be the, our disposition to be the disposition of Jonah, who resented God's call because it wasn't to those he desired to go to and it wasn't where he desired for it to be. And Lord God, we, we just say yes, Lord, to you. We don't know. We want to be like Abraham, Lord God. We don't know where we're going, but we know you have a plan and we know you have a purpose. We know your, your, your leading is not just a, a reckless careening out of control, but it's a, it's a path that's ordered for us. Lord, we surrender to you today. Our hearts help us to, to just grow in that surrender, Lord God. Let it become stronger that the things that we purpose today, Lord, to put behind us, to count as lost, the things that we put to death, Lord God, that you'll give us the wherewithal to, to leave them dead and to leave them behind. Not to reconstitute or re-empower them, Lord God, but to say they are dead. And every day we will declare their death and we will declare our delight in what God has called us to. Hallelujah. We're going to, I just want to pray over you and then I'd ask uh, Tammy to, uh, to lead us in this chorus as we, we depart from here today. Our Father, I pray over this sacred assembly. Lord, you've, caused, you've called people to break through today. 
Lord, and in order to break through, it means that we've got to set down the weight that causes us to stumble. Because, Lord, it's hard to break through when we try to carry forward the things, Lord God, that have held us back anyhow. And, Lord, we lay it down so that we can run in the Spirit full force into the things that God has set in front of us and said, this is my plan for you today. And, Lord God, we are free in Christ. There is freedom. When the separation from that which hinders us comes, there is freedom and there is joy and there is excitement and there is vision and there is hope and there is life. And we walk into all of it, Lord God. We lay it down in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.